0: Welcome to the Life of Christ series three, term three. This is lesson twenty-four. We're going to pick up where we left off in on page nineteen in Luke chapter four and verse twenty. We have just seen Jesus read from the scroll in Isaiah, and um, he's just finished reading these tremendous verses. About setting captives free. And and then it says, then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I mean, they were fixed. They were just looking at him. Eyeballs were stuck to him. Okay, are you with me? Alright. John MacArthur explains, it was customary for a teacher to stand respectfully during the reading of the scripture and sit humbly to teach. See, he didn't sit, see, we think, um, when, when, I, when I used to read this, I used to think this is like, you know, in some churches, you get up, you read, then you go yes. sit down and sit quietly. Right. Okay, and then the preacher gets up and he then continues on. No, no, no. When you got up and you read, when you finished reading your text, you would then go and sit down and start to teach from that text. Do you understand? So you need to understand that he wasn't finished, he just got started. Okay, and th- that's the that's re- reason verse 21 is going to say, and he began to say to them. Can I re- rephrase that a little bit? He started to teach them now. He had finished reading the scripture. Now he was going to sit and teach them. But they're not going to listen. Okay, alright, so let, let's continue. So, while seated with everybody's eyes on him, and everybody wondering what their townsman and former carpenter About whom they have been hearing so much about was going to say, "Then we get this." And he began to say to them, "All right." And this was the Lord beginning to teach them, saying, "Today that he shouldn't have said today." (laughs) All right, if he said in the sweet by and by. this scripture, which we're all waiting on, so piously, and I'm using my religious voice to say that God is going to bring someone one day in, and He will do all these amazing But it's not me, it's someone else. Jesus didn't say any of that stuff. He finished proclaiming this amazing news, Sit, sat down and He says, Today! Oh, 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 this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> up to now, the only recorded miracles were the changing of water into wine, that's in John 2. And the healing of the nobleman's son, that's in John 4. And if that was all that they had to go on, then it's no surprise that the people in the synagogue would find this hard to believe. Okay, Because he has got up and made some grand proclamations. Can I use that word? Okay. (laughs) But what's of greatest importance here is that by saying today, not sometime in the sweet by and by, Jesus was actually saying in the clearest possible way that He could, that He was in fact the Messiah that all Israel had been waiting for. Amen? It It was clear as day. Because when He said today, the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He said you've been waiting for this, here it is. Wow. Okay. And even though they understood exactly what he meant, you need to add a word here. They just could not accept it. Okay. (laughs) It shouldn't be they could accept it. They actually couldn't. So please add the word not between could and accept. Alright. They just could not accept it. Especially since they knew him so well as the carpenter's son. And this is evident in what it goes to say in verse 22. And that is, So all bore witness to him, and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Did you get that? (laughs) Huh? The attitude expressed here was not complimentary. In fact, we are going to see the same attitude expressed again in Matthew chapter 13 and we'll go and read there in verses 55 through 57 where it says there he's just a carpenter's son and we know Mary his mother and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas notice Mary wasn't the eternal virgin okay? and all his sisters not one sister but sisters so there was at least can can we agree that at least two girls there? At least, okay, probably more, but let's say two at least. So we already see there's already six in the family, not including Jesus. We've got four brothers named, we've got at least two sisters, and Jesus. There's a big family, there's seven there already. Okay, so we need to be careful that people, you know, don't sort of say, oh, you know, the Virgin Mary, eternal Virgin, and all that sort of stuff. She was a wonderful person. And the, the miracle was that she stayed a virgin after she had Jesus. That was what the miracle was. That's the miracle. God didn't give Mary back to Joseph used. Right. Can I use that word? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Alright? Because, you know, it's not fair for him, man. Right. I'm, I'm not, you know, okay? So when, when, God, you know, when God gives stuff back, he gives it better than he took it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Joseph got? Not just a virgin, but an anointed virgin. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Okay, and I'm not going any further with that one. Alright, so, <laughs> not saying any more, you can read into that. Alright, and so, okay, so there are a lot of kids after that, okay? Uh, the woman was anointed, okay? Alright, and it says, and all his sisters lived right here among us, what makes Him so great? Can you see this? There, this is not complimentary. Okay? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in Him. They refused to believe in Him. Did you catch that? William Hendrickson writes, I'll talk to you about this in just a minute. The, the people liked what Jesus had said about the dawn of the messianic kingdom. But they resented the implication that Jesus, the carpenter, who grew up up among them, was himself instrumental in bringing this about. Familiarity brought contempt. We need to be very careful. Let me me just say this on the other side as well. Sorry for the pause. I just have a lot of things going on at the moment. Um, We need to be careful on two fronts. Number one, please don't get offended when people look down on you or treat you commonplace. Okay, you know there, there are so many things that we need to be careful in this as we start to look at this a little bit. And I don't want to take a lot of time, but I want to spend just a few minutes on this to tell you to be careful on two fronts. Number one, don't get offended if people don't acknowledge you and see what what the the part that you took in this. But don't you know that tells you that you are looking to receive honor from people. Don't do that. Okay? You pray for people, you hand it to God, and if people say, Wow, you, your prayers are amazing, say no no no, I know how to pray, but God the one that did what he needed to do. Now, having said that, and before I get to the other side of things, let me also say this. You are now learning about faith in God and the faith of God as well. Alright, and you are starting to learn that there are two different things in operation there. All right, But I told you that you never abandon one for the other. Okay, you, you will never stop growing in faith in God, no matter how much you grow in the faith of God. Hear me. Because that will never end. The things that you will need to have faith in God for will never end. No matter how far up you go in this. And what's sad is people abandon one for the other because the faith of God is kind of power in your hands. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so you need to be really, really careful that you never stop. That relationship never ends. Because if you break that relationship, then the devil will use the power that is working in your life for his glory. Against you. Somewhere down the line, you'll fall. I'll guarantee you that much. Because the devil will make sure you do. Are you all here? That's why I said we never ever break that connection with God. We never ever abandon one for the other. We always grow in the both and we need to learn to grow in both. See, it's interesting that Jesus used the faith of God. But you know what? He said, I never do anything that I don't see my father doing first. See, his relationship, his faith in God was just 100%. No matter what he could do, he could turn water into wine, no problems. But it didn't stop him praying. He would pray all night. He would go up there and he would talk to God. Amen? Do you know why? That was his faith in God. He knew that God was looking after him. He knew that he needed that connection. He knew that God was the one that was going to tell him where to go, what to do next. I all here, because he was limited in his, in his human form to a certain degree. Okay, all right? Couldn't be everywhere at once. He used to be, but now he's stuck in the body for a while. Okay, and so he's not stupid, and he knows, man. He knows he needs God, who has got that ability to be everywhere at once. Amen. To be able to instruct him and give him insight into things. Hallelujah. All right. So you know, again, uh, you know, one of the greatest things I've learned is just you know, you need the both of these things now. But understand something here. (laughs) I want you to see something. Regardless of how far you go in the, you know, in your faith in God and the faith of God. Humility is the key to operating in the kingdom of God. All right, And that keeps you also in the right place. Amen. And so if people don't recognize you, it doesn't matter to you. Do you know why? You did what God asked you to do. That's all that's needed. As long as He acknowledges you, that's all that matters. And God does acknowledge you. Amen. He'll let you know. Okay. Now the other side. Let me talk to you about the other side. <clears throat> You be careful that you don't underestimate the people that are around you either. Don't think, well I've been to Bible school, you know, so I know more than you. And you're trying to tell me something, don't ever go there. Because it's you know we can just as much do it to other people, as much as we hate them doing it to us. It's a sad situation. (laughs) A lot of times people are doing that to other people and they get really hurt when somebody else does it to you and everybody's looking at them and going, Why you do it to everybody else? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm trying to say? Be careful. Again, I'm I'm, I'm telling you this so that you don't get caught in in the devil's trap coming or going. And so it goes in the same Luke chapter 4, verse 23. Then he said to them, You shall surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Now, among the ancients, this meant take care of your own first. And that's why Jesus goes on to interpret it by saying, whatever we have heard done, okay, in Capernaum, that's the city of Capernaum, that's in Galilee, do also here in your country. let's, Let's see some of it here. You talk about you having healing meetings, heal somebody here. You know how people do you? Okay, and you know what's interesting? See, because it's God... All right, and sometimes it's the location as well because there's a group of believers there things will happen more easily than in some unbelieving household that they're just watching to see they're actually waiting for you to fail more than anything else All right, they just want to see you perform miracles and tricks is what they're looking for and have you noticed it just doesn't work the spirit of God doesn't try to prove himself to anybody in that way he's there to meet needs not to perform William MacDonald explains, it was a scornful challenge for him to, f- to perform miracles in Nazareth, as he had done elsewhere, and thus save himself from ridicule. And that's why Jesus goes and says, verse 20, 24, And he said, perceiving the basic unbelief of his synagogue, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. All right? Now, that speaks volumes. Sad to say, sometimes those individuals most familiar with great people are the least appreciative of their greatness in that sense. And take that very carefully, okay? They don't see them for what they are doing. And you know, you know what the greatness really is? It's not the power that they're displaying. It's their commitment to God that is opening the door for the power to be displayed in their life. See, now, let me just say this. Let me bring this out to you now. If you appreciate someone, if you look highly upon someone, please don't let it be because you think of them great because of things that you think they are doing. Alright? What you need to do is recognize their commitment to God. Do you hear me? Their humility before God that has opened the door for God to move through them in the way that He does. If you want to learn something about them, if you want to be like them, it's not them you want to be like, it's what they're doing you want to be doing. Not standing in front of all the bright lights, but praying. Mm -hmm. Keeping themselves right before God. You know, all those things, that's what you're looking for. That's what you admire. Do you hear me? If you admire the right things... Then you will start moving towards the very things that will allow God to start moving through you in extraordinary ways. But if you just see a person for, oh, it's Dr. So-and-so, I'm going to go see him because ooh, we're fans of his. Forget about it. You're just a groupie now. You're not any use to God. And you know what? When, if they fall or whatever, you'll go find some other person to be a groupie of. You're no help to the kingdom. You're all here. You're just looking for the next free meal we need to stop doing that stuff amen we need to we need to see what they're doing and we need to can can I just say this you need to understand that you have a very special purpose there are no extras in god's you know you know in movies you got extras in in life there's no extras <laughs> some of the greatest people i mean truly great ones not okay what people thought were great but we're talking about god has seen as great have been the ones that have given up the most they've sacrificed the most They have not thought about themselves. Other people have said how amazing they are and everything else. And sometimes you just get, they, they, they put a wrong spin on it. Be careful, don't get caught up in that stuff. And don't get in the place where you start rejecting them because the world is promoting them either. You look at what they're doing and you appreciate them for the things that they are doing that the world might never see. Amen? If you can see in that, then you can start walking in those blessings as well. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. 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 All right, let's move on here. So again, he says, Assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That was in Luke four twenty four again. Sad to say sometimes again those individuals most familiar with great people are the least appreciative of their greatness. William Hendrickson says this that is the way it is, but not the way it should be. Potential elders, deacons, assistants, Sunday school teachers, and so on, leaders of boys or girls clubs, etc., are passed by being considered unqualified. They move to another town or church and immediately become a great blessing because their talents are being recognized. Let us not be too sure that the church member with whom we grew up is unqualified. Amen. Amen. See, that's one of the things that, you know, I'm looking to the people that are coming to full life for those leaders that we need in full life. Okay? A business person will do this. A business person will go, and not that we won't do some of these things, but mm, this is not our primary mode of operation, okay? A business person will say, okay, I need, you know, counselors. Okay, I'll go hire some counselors. Let's go to a Christian counseling course somewhere and let's go pick a few, you know, who got all the A's in the class. Let's get a few of those. Let's bring them in the church. Let's put them, set, set that up. Okay, that's done. All right. Let's go and find somebody. And we, we do that. We go outside and we headhunt. Yes. Are you all here? You know what the problem with that is? You bring people with their own vision. Then you get upset that they're not following your vision. Because that, but that's what you wanted. You didn't want to put any work in. You just want to pay them money and tell them to do what you want them to do. Except you don't know what the heck you want. (laughs) Okay, So they'll do what they want. And then after a while, everything will start pulling against each other. huh? So the men's meetings will start pulling in one direction. The women's meetings will start pulling in another direction. And they'll almost start opposing each other. Hmm? And then you'll end up youth going in another direction. And after a while, it'll be going all over the place. You're here. Because you know what? You've, you've hired professionals. You've hired people with their own vision. With their own, okay, view on things. But you know people within the church that have grown up, that have listened, that have learned. If you put them to work. If you find out from God where they belong. You know what? They already have your heart. And they'll know, Oh, pastor won't like that. Well, won't do that. How do you know? We know. We've been to Bible school for 20 years. That's how long it took to get through the life of Jesus. <laughs> okay, no, it won't be that long. But you know, trust me, we know. Okay? Don't do that. Okay, nuclear bomb will go off. Okay, but see, that's the thing. I won't even have to come and look at what you guys are doing. I'll know. I'll know that if there is something that is gonna go crosswise, you'll know straight away. We're not doing that. Amen. Where somebody else I hired, would have any idea. They'll go, well the last church I was in did this, what was wrong with it? And now you have to spend hours and hours and hours trying to talk them into what you are wanting to do and where you want to go. And if you are doing this on a professional level, can I say this? You probably come to some kind of middle ground, but that's different. That's a business, sweetheart. If you want the church to be a business, go right ahead. Might not get a well done, good and faithful servant at the end, but go right ahead. You'll be successful. you get to have a big church and all that sort of wonderful. Okay. What I want is for Jesus to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want Jesus' vision for this church to come to pass. Absolutely. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I trust you now in, in the time I've ministered to you to know, to hear to w- the voice of God. And even if I make a kind of a little bit of an error for you to be able to say, mm, pastor, I don't think we should go there. Because remember how you said back here, this and this and this, and I'll go, oh yeah, I did too. You can rem- remind me of what I've said. And get me back on track. Because what I'm saying, I'm praying, is coming from God to begin with. None of us are perfect. Amen? I'd love to be. Okay? And I want to get there. But in the multitude of counselors, and can I say, Holy Ghost-led counselors, there is wisdom. Not worldly counselors. Godly counselors. Amen? So that's why I'm looking for, you know, Yeah, anyway, okay. (laughs) Moving on. All right. So, now returning to our text. In response to the mistaken idea by his own hometown people that they had some sort of inherent right to the Lord and his miracles, in spite of their cynical unbelief, Jesus is going to give them two specific examples to show them how wrong they are in their thinking. Alright? And so we, we're going to have to take this up next week in detail, but let me introduce it to you now. He goes and says in Luke chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, this is how he responds to them, okay? And what they're thinking. I tell you, truly, many widows were in Israel, alright? The widows representing God's chosen people, okay? Israel representing God's chosen nation, alright? In the days of Elijah, Who was God's chosen prophet? Are you all getting this? Okay, all right. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Okay, that's a Gentile region. To a woman who was a widow. In other words, God bypasses all the quote unquote believers and goes to some little Gentile woman, so all the Jews. He goes right past all the Jews, goes to some gen, little Gentile woman, and ministers to her. Okay? This is, this is what's brought out here. Um, let's just read this incident. Whether I talk about it further or not might depend on how much time we have left because we're pretty much down to the wire now. Let me just read this incident to you. It's brought out in 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. There is a widow there who will feed you. I have given her my instructions. Uh, this widow didn't know what the instructions the Lord is. Watch this. Verse 10. <laughs> so he went to Zarephath. As he arrived... Uh, at the gate of the village, he saw widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a cup of water? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, the Lord has spoken to me and yes, I will definitely do what you asked. Does it say that? No. 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 Okay. Remember he said, I've spoken to her. But isn't it interesting? Watch now. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Uh, Lord, I think you sent me to the wrong lady. Let me go check my leadings again. Obviously, you're sending me to somebody that can feed me. This one can't. See how our natural logic would kick in here? Okay, cause all kinds of problems. Alright, I could preach on so many things here, but I'm holding back here. Okay, but let's see if we can get through this. Alright. And he says, she says, And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then uh, my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and cook that last meal, but bake me a little loaf of bread first. Afterward, there will be enough food for you and your son." Wow, this, now this lady has. She's not indicating that she has got any instructions from God right now. No, no, that's right. All she's saying is, I got enough to feed my son. Me and my son, we're going to eat, we're going to die. That's going to be the end of us. He's saying, Give me some of your stuff first. <laughs> Just like a preacher. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. The last piece of food going in my mouth, and he wants a piece, you know. All right. So. <laughs> 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 uh, verse fourteen. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: There will be plenty of flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. To this woman's credit, so she—you think the other women would have done this? Probably not. Which is why he didn't send her to any of the other widows in Israel. Did a wind and wind and carried on. Watch what she does. So she said, as. Uh, So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son continued, notice, to eat uh, from her supply of, okay, that was an unending supply of flour and oil for many days. The New International Version says that there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Awesome. For no matter how much they used, there was always enough left in the containers. All right? And it saw them through three and a half years. Wow. So this wasn't just a bit of oil, and we thought we had, but there was a bit more than what we thought. <laughs> Not for three and a half years. They didn't, well, that didn't. That doesn't happen. Amen. So it's just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Okay. Now, <laughs> what's said is that from what Jesus says, this divine provision was available to whoever was willing to believe. Just as was healing all right, and so he 's going to talk about that next in second kings, and we don 't have time to go into that, but he 's going to introduce it in saying verse twenty seven and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the pro- elisha, excuse me, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian, another Gentile all right, so this is not going to go down well we 're going to look at that particular instance as well. And uh, we're going to see some things in both of them. And that's uh, this, is, this is why it says, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, just to let you know where all this was going. Uh, turn to page 24, and it says in verse 28, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were mad, okay, and rose up and thrust him out of the city. So you see, whatever he said, didn't make them happy. Alright, so they're saying, listen, you show us, you think you're such a big deal, you show us and you prove to us. And he's saying, listen, that's the very attitude that stopped God from sending these prophets to, 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 the, to His own people. And my people outside of the covenant were getting blessed. Well people in the covenant who were meant to be blessed. Remember, remember um, Isaac? He sold a hundredfold. His crops grew when everybody else is failing. That's what's. Ma- it didn't matter there was a famine in the land. It should never matter to us what's going on. Do you understand? And that's what Jesus is trying to tell them. Listen to me. Your, this attitude needs to change. You keep this attitude up and you're going to keep going without. Amen. And so that's why he begins to bring some of these things out. And I want to look at some of these things in more detail because. There are the specific things, but then there's the overall thing that we need to talk about as well. And I really want to go back and look at this from an overall point and just see what Jesus was saying, what are the truths that he was trying to convey and how that relates to us today. Amen? The wisdom that we need to receive from this in order to walk in a place of blessing in our life. Hallelujah. That's why I don't want to rush through this. All right, let's stop there because we have gone over time now. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed as we conclude this session for today.